Situation, strange situation, <laughs> indeed. It's something that obviously speaks to the heart about peace and uh, clarity and sense of stillness, and openness, beauties of mind very direct uh, experience, very strong need people have, universal. It's a way when you only, it's a natural quality, quality of chitta, mind, heart, or awareness, any of these terms will do. Say the quality of being conscious. Whatever we're conscious of, aware of, there's the quality of being conscious. And of course, most of our ordinary attention is going to what we're conscious of, into consciousness. Consciousness of sounds or sights, which mesmerize and remind us of things and urge us, touch us, create feelings, impressions, all that. Shock us, horrify us, dazzle us, demand activity, pressurize us to make something happen, stop this happening, change that, fix that, get on with more of this, less of that. It's pretty intense, isn't it? It's what comes in and what, what we seem to be met by. It's urge for something else to be take a weight off the mind. And when that occurs, we it's something that speaks for itself. So I just got back from Southeast Asia. It's the same over there. <laughs> it's the same over there. <laughs> and I was uh, I have this building site thing right outside my wine dwelling in the moment. So there was sounds of hammering and sawing, and and uh, I walk out of uh, my cootie that works. Oh, hey, how are you doing, mate? You know, they don't really understand the idea of noble silence. <laughs> it's already cheerful. And one of them said to me, he says, you know, when I got here, you guys completely freaked me out. <laughs> oh, please, just go, what is what it's about? Totally freaked me out. He said, but you know, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I want to give my, my name to the to the abbot because I want to come and help out here. And so I do stone, I do stone masonry, so I, want to, I, I can come on weekends and help out. I want to do that. Okay. What happened? <laughs> oh, what happened? He didn't come to a Dharma talk, he didn't know to meditate, nobody tried to engage him in teaching words. What happened? Something clicked, something touched the heart, a sense of the falling away of uh, pressure and uh, <coughs> arguments and uh, 
intensities and tensions and peaceful instead of peaceful, easy, open quality. Whatever you're doing, I'll be part of that. I want to offer myself to that. It's the way of the heart. Coming back from Malaysia, I was teaching retreats there and uh, people the <laughs> secretary said, Oh they you know the 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 people in Malaysia they sent uh, they sent a donation of gratitude, you know. The bank wouldn't accept it. Because they what they done they sent it to a uh, a Malaysian woman living in Malaysia. She just immediately put into a bank again and pass the money down. So thanks. No, that can't be right. Must be money laundering. Nobody would do that. That's money laundering. They refuse to accept it. So they tried again. Still refuse to accept it. Because, you know, that doesn't happen. People don't just get money and pass it on without charging something. It must be money laundering. Couldn't understand the quality of dharma. <laughs> That's, the, that's called, you know, it's not the mind, that's the systems, that's the systems, that's the people operating through the systems of gain and loss and buying and selling and making profit. Not, we're not operating on that basis. Operating from the way of the heart, which is just generous, open, grateful. Doesn't make sense. If they understood how that donation got here, they'd be more suspicious. You know how that donation got here? Got a bunch of people, hmm? got inside a building, they weren't allowed to leave for 10 days. During that time, they'd just spent five in a room sleeping on the floor. No beds, just a mat on the floor, five in a room. Had to get up and get to the meditation by five o'clock in the morning. Weren't allowed to sleep in. I weren't allowed to talk to each other. I had to give up their mobile phones. Not allowed to television, nothing. They were deprived of food after the, after the noon. They were only allowed to eat certain food that was offered to them at midday. That's all they could eat. They weren't allowed to talk to each other. And they had to sit upright for hours on end without anything to do. At the end of it, they wept with gratitude. I said, please come back. When can you come back? No, no, that doesn't make sense either. <laughs> what did they get out of it? What, you know, you did that to them? And they said, thank you, yeah. <laughs> they didn't get anything out of it. They just dropped a lot of things. <laughs> they dropped a lot of suffering. They dropped a lot of burdens, they dropped a lot of acquisitions, they dropped a lot of habits, they saw through a lot of memories, they reviewed a lot of thought patterns and found them purposeless and gave them up. They experienced a lot of um, mental behaviours that were just addictive and they checked it and stopped it and released it. They experienced pains and sorrows in their lives and came to terms with it and met it released it. And the anxieties about the future, worries about what they were going to happen to them, they met those, felt them in their bodies, felt themselves disturbed by it, witnessed it, met it, and released it. They met themselves, their complicated historical self, with its uncertainties and insecurities and concerns about being liked or disliked, being attractive, unattractive, winning, losing, and so on. They met themselves and they dropped it. They were grateful, deeply grateful, because the mind was released of a big weight, a big torment. You think that uh, you know, the unawakened or the worldly mind actually seeks more of. You know, seeks, seeks positive ones, let me have the good ones, let me not have the bad ones. Uh, let me have the positive feelings and I have the, un- the negative feelings. Let me have the positive perceptions, the positive memories, no troubling memories. Let me have the positive 
happy memories, not the unpleasant ones. Then we have uh, wonderful mind states, wonderful inclinations, no negative impulses, no nasty impulses, just totally pure, happy, bright, positive, clear, effective impulses and tendencies. Don't we have anything that's kind of erratic, crazy, neurotic, <laughs> afflicted? No, this cannot be. <laughs> Looking for a unicorn. <laughs> what can be? What can be, you know, what can occur, is what we were chanting about this evening. This, this sutta, the Anatta Lapana Sutta. The relief from the burden of self. The relief from that mark, that defining characteristic, lakana. Uh, means a mark or a characteristic. Hmm? Relief from that mark. You mean this sense of me, this self that is so important and so poignant and so stirred and so hungry, it's just a mark? The characteristic, yep, that's what it says. It's not an entity at all. It's just a particular bias, an inclination, characteristic, characteristic called grasping, holding on. Releasing that characteristic, grasping, holding on is called liberation. Mm. And what is it that could be held on to? What is it that is attempted to be held on to? To be held to, hold on to, to be associated with, to be bonded to, to be identified with, what, what is that? Well, form, the presence of things, the presence of what we see with our eyes. And, and that's her, that's me, this shape. That's me, and all that can occur around that. The, uh, yeah. May the shape be look good, may it look good always, always. may it be always nice and clean and bright and good. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> it's the shape. Shapes have the nature to be misshapen. If we really contemplate it, you see, all, all even the shape of this body is shifting and changing with age. Shape of other people, forms, subject to change, transient. And if we try to make it stay, there's going to be stress. So, and yet, uh, what if there were not that stress? What if shape were allowed to just be shape and change? Wouldn't that be relief? If there were not the self-consciousness of it, wouldn't that be a relief? Of course, it's not so easy as that, because uh, other things occur. Feeling occurs, mental feeling, particularly very poignant. Mental feeling of uh, uncomfortable, disagreeable. What's it based upon what? Something else called perception. I said, that, that seems very bad taste to me. That's horrifying. That's shameful. That's this, that, this, that, this, that. And it hurts. You get offended, disappointed, bereft, because shape changes, because things shift and change no longer the way that we would like them to be. And these perceptions enter, they seem to jab me. Mm. 
And what if that perception were just, that is really <laughs> uh, something quite uh, distasteful, but mm, it doesn't have to stab me. Because I don't expect perception. Don't hang on to it. Things that occur, things that occur. Things that occur, things that occur. Conditions are like this. Hmm? There's no change about this. Perceptions. I remember a while ago, this um, young couple, I think they were a couple of Prince Harry, I think, yeah. He got married and he was out there. So this man got married to this woman, like, big deal. Like, it's not exactly a never before, is it? People do do that kind of thing. <laughs> and he was out there waving their little flags. Waving, cheering their little flags. What are you, you waving your flags for? What's this? They go even these Union Jacks, little pieces of coloured paper. Perception of something else. What's this mean? behaviour. So this whole thing arising over these two people getting bonded to each other, which has like been happening for thousands of years. So this is Britain. Britain. Uh, something important for Britain. Something meaningful. Why? <laughs> Perception. And now I think, now they're saying we've had enough of this being in this, because as soon as they got married, the media started kind of, started attacking them, gossiping, stories, constantly in the, in the public eye. And they say, we haven't enough of this, we just want to be like, uh, kind of like fade out, you know. We don't want to be in the spotlight, we just want to live reasonable lives. And they get huge attack for let, letting Britain down. <laughs> what happened, you know? Perception. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be represent this. Now you've you know, you know, we got happy because you were this. You were the fairy prince and the fairy princess, and now you're not. Perception. And so this is a sense of you know, the, the kind of uh, demand that these things create. People have something to hold on to, grasp a positive perception of other people, of themselves, of belonging to something, being a nationality, or a, you know, and he gets excited over something called a nation. What's that? perceptions. And yet we can say, you know, our country's been let down. <laughs> They've disgraced the royal family. What? <laughs> you know? What? Perceptions. There's people, people definitely can feel very upset about this. You can be upset about your football team losing. You know, Manchester United used to be number one and now they're struggling let, been let down by what? Something called Manchester United. What, what's a Manchester United? It's 11 men kicking a ball around in the field. And they're not the same 11 men as were there 10 years ago. Or 20 years ago, it's not the same. In fact, they're not they're never the same men from one week to the next. So what's this thing called Manchester United <laughs> that wins and loses? <laughs> that we get really excited and passionate about when it wins. Or of course you don't like Manchester United if you follow Liverpool or something like that. Then you feel happy when they lose. The kind of things that people get get ramped up about. These are things grasp that because it gives people a feeling they belong to something. 
I'm a Man's United supporter, my team. I'm British, my country. It's really about affirming oneself in the perceptual world. How sad that you should need to do that. Upon things that cannot be reliable, Manchester United cannot win every game forever. Even the most beloved monarch will one day crumble and fade away. What are you going to do? Get our flags out again, I suppose. <laughs> Have a funeral. Spend a few million quid on a funeral. <laughs> Play songs and then wave the flags again and have another one. Who will let us down, presumably. Might be what we want her or him to be. Him, next one. Start attacking him for not being what we want him to be. Perceptions. Let me have a perception that makes you feel constantly good and happy and triumphant and wonderful and everything's fine. Like this, isn't it? Perceptions of oneself, memories, impressions. Where we measure and judge ourselves, form perceptions, whether we're good, not good, what other people think of us, how we judge ourselves, inadequate, better than, worse than, same as. If people knew the real story about me, this kind of perceptions of oneself based upon what? Yes, impressions, subjective impressions around memories and attitudes and mind states. We build up a sense of self around it. Wouldn't it be nice not to have to do that, to not have to constantly be judging and analysing every thought, every feeling, every mood, every sensation, every attitude, every non-attitude. Yeah? So I'm not just perceiving myself in terms of what I'm doing, but also what I'm not doing. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. Yeah. Yeah, feeling of inadequacy. Uh, over what I'm not. I can't get a positive perception today. I just sat in the hall, meditation hall, Thoughts stream by, a few moods and feelings happened, sensations occurred in my body, got painful at times, and pain subsided. Walked up and down, got a bit cold, came back in again, sat down, dinner. Then perception arises. Did you realise enlightenment today? Oh no. Did you attain joy? No, no. You failed, wasted your time. <laughs> perception of being a useless meditator. Like meanwhile, he didn't actually harm anyone, didn't drink anything, didn't steal anything, didn't lie, didn't cheat, didn't abuse, didn't gossip. Um, you know, lived a modest, peace, a few modest, peaceful hours. Which, if everyone did that, the world would be a better place. And yet, one doesn't have the perception of gaining something, or getting somewhere, or advancing, or progressing, or. You know, constant search to name oneself, to be something, based upon what? On stuff that can only ever shift and change, and isn't even under your control. And it becomes much more evident when you meditate, what you call meditation. You sit still or walk and unplug from the normal activities that we'll be doing. Just let things roll. Shifting, changing, sensations, moods, memories, happy states, unhappy states, agitated, tensions, shifting, moving. What am I supposed to do about this? I would like to do something to make it better. This is Sankara, this is the aggregate of impulse. If only I was good at this, I'd be able to do something to make my mind better. Obviously, my 
doing this is not, not doing good enough, I should do harder or more, a lot more and harder and more better at it. I'm obviously not very good at it. I'm a person who's not a very good meditator and I should be a person who's a good meditator so that I can get the good result whatever that is, I don't know what it is but I've got to do it and it's probably about stopping being what I am which is not adequate I should be better than this definitely this is not it I should be this thing that I am I should not be instead I should be something else that's what I want to do the right thing so I can be something else. Because what I am is not good enough. Right? Well, if what you are is not good enough, how could you possibly do something good? <laughs> it's not good enough. A person who's not good enough cannot bring up supremely good qualities, can they? They can only bring up mediocre qualities because they're not good enough. So if you're, only do, if you're not good enough and you're going to bring up media quali- mediocre qualities, what do you need to get out of that? Mediocre qualities. <laughs> some good, some not good, some have a lucky break, things go quiet and peaceful, and then things get agitated again. Yeah? Yeah? But that's not really good enough yet. So we think, well, the best thing to do is try harder. What am I supposed to do? Try harder. But try harder in a relaxed, comfortable, cheerful way. Okay? Relaxed, comfortable, cheerful, try harder. And deeply perceptive, deeply sensitive. Okay? Relaxed, hard, try harder, more attention, deeply sensitive. Okay? Anything more? Wise. Okay? Relaxed, sensitive, cheerful, a uh, lot of effort, a lot of energy, and deeply wise. Anything more? Yeah, how about. <laughs> But meanwhile, you're not good enough, so you haven't got those qualities. This is the sankara. If I could do something to make things happen, because I'm identified with doing and with results of doing. I learned at school how to do good and get better results of it. I learned how to drive a car and be able to do that. I learned how to, you know, get a job. I was quite good at my job. So this is one thing you can't do. <laughs> one thing you can't do. You can't do peace. The sense of release and ease doesn't can't be arrived at through doing lots and lots of stuff. It arrives at through not identifying, not grasping. Because that's what happens. So this process of Buddhist meditation is sometimes kind of uh, frustrating. Uh, And there are systems that we can do um, where the mind gets a bit calmer or steadier, more one-pointed, more focused. So when I began to meditate, this was certainly what I was looking for, what I wanted to do. And this particular time and practice, I could do it to a certain degree. As long as I was in a situation which supported it. Nobody talking to me, silent, uh, steady, uh, no minimum impingement, nothing to do, just focusing, focusing, focusing on this particular point in the body, breathing. So eventually the mind would kind of stay there. And, okay, so you get better at it. But then, of course, when the situation changed, it was very difficult you know, to realize life beyond the point at the end of your nose, which is like most of life is beyond the end of your nose, in fact. 
very little life on the end of your nose. <laughs> Most of it is definitely off the end of your nose. And once you get off the end of your nose, it's wacky out there. <laughs> you know, you notice that? <laughs> they're not calm, they're not peaceful at all. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Do, what do I do about this? You know? So then I admit, you know, Jim Samago, when I was in Thailand, I was practicing in Thailand, I met him there, and I came to Britain. And while I stayed with him, he looked a fairly peaceful, friendly fellow. And wherever he does, he's kind of, seems a very warm, open, peaceful presence. Or whatever he's got, I'll have some of that. <laughs> so, what do you do? So, he said, well, just notice things change. Yeah. Yeah. But what what, what, what are you supposed to do? (laughs) Well, just watch the formations in the mind arise and pass away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. But but then what do you do? Well, just relax a little more and watch these permanent notions of trying to get something, get results, arise and pass. But why? I mean, what, what are you supposed to get out of this? And he's going to laugh. Say, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I haven't got anything out of this in years. <laughs> I don't talk, it seems to be quite cheerful about it all. <laughs> but I don't understand this, but... I like wherever he's at, I like that. So I'll sort of hang in with this and see if the penny drops somewhere. <laughs> and then, you know, after a while you kind of you, you get it because suddenly you start to step back. Oh, you mean the mind's not just about doing and making and changing and, and adding and remembering and calculating, it's also about something to step back. I think a quality that it's not that things change, but where you are to notice that. Where are you? Where where is your mind? Where is your attention? Where is your awareness? Where is your sense of being conscious? Where is that? Or how is that? when you're allowing things to move and shift and not get snagged on them and not be reacting to them and not be feverish about them and not be guilty about them and not be fretful and upset about them and fascinated by them, where are you? Strange question, but that's one way of putting it. Something is in this rather open space Strangely settled, peaceful, settled. There's a slight warmth or brightness there because the weight's off. Now, oh, this is chitta. This is. Hmm? This is mind, this is awareness, this is heart, this is the quality of being conscious, which is not dependent on some object or another. The difference between that and what's called consciousness in Buddhism, vijnana, which is you're conscious of seeing, conscious of hearing, conscious of touching, conscious of tasting. Every one of those places you somewhere. When you see something, you experience yourself as somehow living here with everything in front of you. Your your sense of self is based upon the eyes, so you're living behind your eyes. When you're hearing something, you feel like the world is around you, because the ears on the side of the head. When you're tasting something, it enters you. Taste something, taste jumps right into you because your sense of self is being established by the taste consciousness. Same with smelling something. Touching something 
living right underneath your skin. Right? Could be your feet, could be your toes, could be your elbow, throat, ears. You're right there. What kind of self is that? It's not a real entity at all, it's just a, a mark of being contacted. It's dependent upon the sense base that's being contacted. So it's a mark, a mark of contact. Something happens through that. Therefore, I am that which sees, I am that which is touched, I am that which tastes, I am that which hears. And they're all rather different. And seeing me is sort of detached, because things I'm seeing around there, the tasting me is very involved, and the being touched me is extremely involved. Quite sensitive, quite strongly reactive, nowhere to run right to your skin. And of course, the most involved of all is the thinking me. Because that's just completely enmeshed in this vortex. So which one is the real one? None of them. They're just mark. A mark has been created through the reactive impression, contact, that reaction, that sensor. And if that's, um, it's called ignorance contact, it means with that contact comes the impression, that's me. We don't need that. Certainly a body is contacted, a tongue is contacted, the ear is contacted, an eye is contacted, the organ of smelling is contacted, but I'm not contacted. The eye comes in with the, I don't want that, oh that sounds good, what's happening to me, all that stuff, that feels, you know, all that reactivity, that, yeah, that comes in. Now what if? One has become more dispassionate towards contact impressions, towards sights and sounds, no longer so involved with them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a relief in some respect? Now we may think it sounds very nihilistic. You mean, uh, yeah, it's anatta, not self, all sounds very nihilistic. You're wiping something out. Taking the joy out of life. The joy of Brahms. The joy of looking at uh, Rembrandt. The joy of you know, tasting pizzas or something. <laughs> taking joy out of life. Yeah. Well, how many pizzas can you eat? Before you've had enough. How many times can you listen to Brahms or Mozart before you've had enough? You walk around an art gallery till your eyes go sore. And still, before you've not had enough, you still want more. Or less. You still want change. You want change from this to that, to this to that. If you want change from this to that, to this to that, to this to that, can that be peaceful? If you don't want things to change, could that be peaceful? Is it the nature of any contact, any sense impressions, it's going to change? And its quality of feeling will change. Do you want more of it? to just doing that? Is that something, it happens by itself, do you really want it to happen? Is it something, you, or are you frightened of it happening? Let it not happen, or let it change into something else? Is that, do we need to do that? 
Well, that would be for our welfare. So we're actually just looking at all this. There's an alternative. Now, actually, if it was for our welfare, that's the best we could do. So, yeah, well, I know it's not going to be great, but I can get a reasonable bit of happiness. You know, I have a pizza one night, just enough with anchovies. And then, you know, I realise that's not really that. But I can, then I can switch on some Brahms and the that. Okay, Brahms and, or some rock and roll or something. Yeah, that's fine. I get tired of that when I could play some blues or something else. And then I could, you know, watch a few movies. And, I mean, you know, as long as I keep on the go, this, the, the other, it'll be right. Get tired, go to sleep. Do it again tomorrow. <laughs> That's life. Well, it goes on, doesn't it? And then how long before one gets rather jaded of it all? We need to have something stronger, more poignant, more punchy, more interesting. How long does that go on for? You're never getting it. The satisfaction bit, the completion, the feeling of enough hasn't occurred. This is called dukkha. It's not quite complete yet. Yeah. And that's what consciousness, sense consciousness does. It's like that. So when we recite this recitation, saying all these places where this phenomenon can happen, the mark of grabbing, the mark of resisting, the mark of feverishly comparing and trusting and agonizing over, the mark of vanity, the mark of I'm so this, I never that, I should be this, the mark of guilt, I wish I wasn't that, hope nobody finds out I'm this, the mark of that, the mark of let me have more of that, get out of my way, I want one of those, I'm going to hold on to this, I'm going to defend myself against that, get out, the mark of that, that mark, the mark of failure, the mark of success, which makes me feel so conceited. The mark of failure, which makes me feel so depressed. The mark of gain and the mark of loss. If this mark was rubbed out, do you think we'd be the worse for it? Now, if that's all there was, Then it's been nihilism. But when you recollect Anatta, this teaching says, well, having grown dispassionate towards all this stuff, not averse, just enough, you know, like, like I've sung the song, I've danced the dance, I've had the bubble cup. Enough, you know, like, game's over. I'm not, I'm not bothered anymore. We've had enough. So it's nibidity. Something turns. <laughs> Something turns, turns away. And what turns away is chitta. Heart turns away from this and releases from these tendencies, outflows. Mm. And then jitta is released, is bright, mm. is light, is unburdened, is open. This quality. Mm. It's not doing something. Nor is it reluctant to do what needs to be done. It's just not involved with it all. That same intense comparing, contrasting, self-conscious, self-obsessed way. So this is what this is all about, really. The beauty of it is, this is all, you know, this teaching is there 
was given by the Buddha. It's the second great teaching he gave. He gave another one, which you're probably also familiar with, the Four Noble Truths. And that teaching gave one of his listeners, they were all practitioners who practiced a lot of spiritual practices. They always knew about calming and stilling their minds. They always knew about refined attention. They knew all of spiritual technologies. They got them down. They were professionals. And the Buddhist world said, well, you know, you don't need any more of that. But you need to just get the view straight. Instead of searching to get something, to become something, a refined state of consciousness, um, some special esoteric state of being, get out of the game. And do this just by seeing this as a game, as a program, as a set of constructions uh, that ultimately will always be not enough and not satisfying. And not something you have to make a person out of, have to judge yourself around, (coughs) or repudiate. You can step out, there can be a stepping out of the game. In that, we call it liberation. Mm-hmm. You're liberated, chitta. What's its nature? Its nature is bright, because why shouldn't it be bright? Nothing weighing it down. Its nature is, is uh, towards conditioned phenomena, is sympathetic. Why shouldn't it be? It's not nervous, it's not demanding anything, it's not critical, it's not fearful. So why shouldn't it be sympathetic and joyful? When you take the weight off it, it's bound to be that way. That's the nature of it. It's bound to be clear. You have to eradicate lots of things, you just be clear about it. And uh, it's open because it's realized holding on is just a bad, bad habit. And it's kicked the habit because it's seen the results of a little bit. And you see a little bit of that result of letting go. Yeah. Like the builder. Didn't do any practice at all. It just could see the results of a little, see a little bit of the result, letting go. Oh, you know what you guys are doing. I like whatever it is. It's good. Something because it's the heart recognizes that. We know that. We recognize that. The heart does. You know, we can't necessarily figure out how it happened. We know the sign touches us deeply, moves us, sign free. This is what it's about. So in this teaching we've been presented, it's just to kind of keep this process of really witnessing what occurs as it occurs. Phenomena that occur uh-huh. and some we like and some we don't like and that is also a phenomenon not liking it, that's another phenomenon that occurs and you just keep adding up, reviewing the phenomenon as long as you keep witnessing awake to it what is that that's witnessing and awake to this whole rolling on yeah. Yeah. And noticing, you know, there's a certain dispassion, ease, coolness, nameless, and then abiding in that, turning to that, returning to that, because this is the only quality that we can find as a sense of always possibly there, everything else is going to shift.
Jitta knows itself. It doesn't run out into these forms and dispositions. And this we call the liberation of the heart through non-grasping. So this is what this suit is about and uh, kind of reminder because uh, we need reminders like this because most of our world is going the opposite direction. It's going towards becoming and having and gaining and naming and identifying with being this or that, this nation, this role, this job, this gender, this political party, this belief, blah, 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 this occupation, good at this and how good one is at it, not good at it, and it should be better than that, better than her, but not as good as him, kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to kind of return and be reminded this other possibility because it's a possibility that needs to be presented for the jitta to, oh, you know, find its balance again. And this is what we are uh, abiding in, returning to in our retreat. And we very much encourage you to come and participate whenever you can. It's an open place. Come and sit for half a day, an hour, day if you have a spare weekend, come sit in the evenings, you know, just uh, have that time to be with yourself, you know, in a way that's open and, and non, non-judgmental and non-striving. Then you, you, you'll get it, you'll get it. 